I think that we may have lost sight in our culture that we can be people who take really good care of ourselves no matter what's happening in life. And that's my whole mission. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast. It's season four, and here we are still reimagining, rethinking, and redefining what it means to be in midlife and what's possible as we age. We are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. I created this podcast to give you inspiration and let you know you're not alone in feeling stuck in midlife. Both men and women are welcome here, but if you are a woman, I also invite you to join the Age Agitators Club for Women, where we come together monthly to hatch our plans for making waves as we age. Being part of this community for women will remind you on a regular basis that you're not too old and it's never too late to do that thing you've been thinking about. You can find more information at latebloomerliving.com forward slash community, and I hope to see you there. Hello, my friend. Have you been hearing about this intermittent fasting thing and wondering what the heck it is and why everybody seems to be talking about it? So I I found something. I was doing some research on this, and I found this little blurb. In 2019, intermittent fasting was the most Googled food-related topic globally, and it's still in the top three. Crazy, right? It continues to be a popular diet tool for men and women alike, But here's a question. Is it a diet? The proclaimed benefits go way beyond weight loss and include things like helping with your mental clarity, helping you have more energy, helping you um, feel less pain because you've got reduced inflammation. I mean, really, the list goes on and on. I started getting really curious about it, mostly because of that inflammation thing. And in April of 2021, I invited Lori Lewis, who is an intermittent fasting coach and author, onto the show on Late Bloomer Living to talk about her own personal experience with intermittent fasting and how that changed her life. That was episode 47, if you do want to go back and give it a listen. Well, I have invited Lori back today to get into the specifics of what intermittent fasting is, how to do it, and why it's beneficial. You know, with Late Bloomer Living up to now, we've pretty much focused on people's personal experiences like we did for Lori's first episode. So this is a whole new thing here on the podcast to really take a good look at a tool that we might include in our toolbox as we are aging and trying to stay healthy. I do want to be sure to add in here at this moment that this episode is informational. This is not advice. If you decide to try intermittent fasting, be sure to do it with the help of your doctor. Check in with them. Just make sure you're taking the best care of yourself possible, okay? 
So after doing a bunch of research and learning that other friends of mine swear by it, they've been doing the intermittent fasting thing, I decided to experiment with it. And I have kind of been dipping my toes, gradually getting past my skepticism and my fears and different things like that. I have officially kicked my late night bowl of cereal habit so number one that I mean that's a major thing you have no idea what a major thing that is <laughs> anyway more recently I've really committed to doing a 12-hour fasting window and 12-hour eating window so 12 hours on 12 hours off and I'm like okay I can sleep through most of the 12 hours so that's good so anyway I have so many questions for Lori today that I'm hoping will also represent your questions. But first, let me tell you a little bit about her. For Lori, it all started with menopause. She had been fit her whole life up until perimenopause hit and menopause. Her symptoms with that included brain fog, lack of balance, memory loss, a sudden gain of 50 pounds of stubborn hormonal fat that she just could not get rid of. She tried for many years to lose the weight, but it wouldn't budge despite her best efforts. And desperation, which we talked about more in the the first episode, that led her to try fasting. So she lost the weight, she started feeling better, and that mental fog lifted. She had more energy. She felt more like herself. Her experience led her to start telling others how she'd done it. And that led her to starting a premier coaching business called Fast Forward Wellness so that she helps other people learn how to do this and incorporate it into their lives. She's now been a coach for six years, and I'm so excited to have her here to answer my many questions about intermittent fasting. So without further ado, here's Lori Lewis. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. How have you been? I am doing great. I get to travel around the world helping people around the world and work from anywhere. And I have clients on all the continents. I even coach someone who is stationed in Antarctica. And um, I have the best job in the world. I'm fulfilling my life's purpose, which is to have people feel not only better, but amazing. And I think that we may have lost sight in our culture that We can be people who take really good care of ourselves, no matter what's happening in life. And that's my whole mission with Mm. intermittent fasting as the foundation with having a daily clean fasting hours and an eating window. That's great for you. That feels good to you. That feels juicy and delicious. It's not a deprivation. It's not a punishment. It's a replenishment. And um, people get to discover for themselves this customized regimen that helps them reach their health and weight goals and feel really amazing. So I love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I can't wait to dig into the details. Uh, Before we do, before we get into the nitty gritty of what it is, how it works, all the things, uh, I'd love you to do a little bit of a recap on your own personal experience and what brought you to this. Anybody who wants a deeper dive on that, you can go back to episode 47 and you can hear Lori's real in-depth story but give us a little bit of what brought you to this and where you had your own personal aha moment around it. 
a couple of big aha moments. So I'm 60 and over 30 years ago, I think if I remember correctly, I was around 29. I had this thought, I think this diet Coke might not be good for me. And in that kind of moment of an epiphany, like a quiet thought, I decided that I wasn't going to, that I was going to be a person who didn't drink soda. It's like, oh, I could just be a person who doesn't drink that. You go into a restaurant, you just don't order that. And I kind of added then orange juice to it. And then I decided that I didn't like dessert because it seemed so automatic. And there was something about choosing, I could choose it. Okay, so that was 30 years ago. And I became a person who was personally very interested in nutrition. I just started studying nutrition. How do I fuel myself well? And I never wanted to be the food police. I never wanted to tell people what they should and shouldn't eat. That never resonated for me. I knew I was on my personal discovery. And the other thing I decided at that time was there's a lot of stuff they sell in the grocery store, but most of it is not food. I decided there's food and there's hyphenated, not food. People are like, what are you talking about? That's what they sell at the grocery store. I'm like, not a lot. <laughs> okay. So I decided that all this stuff wasn't food and that I ate actual food. And so for all these years, that's just been my personal path. And when I lived in New York, I attended the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and I, I got all that year long training and people were like, are you going to be a health coach? I'm like, no, 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 no. I just want all that information, all that learning and all those experts. And so long before I ever thought of or became a health coach, I got my certification. <laughs> and so, so I can still, you, can I back you up real quick and yes. just ask you about the difference between the real food and the not real food that they sell at the grocery store? What do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Well, for me, I, I could see that an orange or a piece of salmon or like some amazing raw cheese from France was food. Cheese is super highly processed, but I, you know, I kind of was like, I, so my, I upgraded for myself, my food quality and even things like, oh, I'm going to talk about your favorite thing in the world, cereal. <laughs> okay. But remember, I don't want to be the food police. I just kind of decided for myself. So people love cereal and crackers and chips and commercial salad dressing and bread from the grocery store. And I just started questioning for myself what I put inside me. Okay. So that was just my own thing. So there I was in my forties running marathons, feelingly. Now, all, for throughout my life, I've kind of fluctuated in a 20 pound range. So I always felt like I struggled with my weight in my head, okay? So people mm. who have struggled with their weight for their whole lives and might be hundred pounds overweight could look at someone who's only dealing with a few pounds overweight and be like, they don't have any problems. I got real problems. The noise in our head is still the same. We have yes. the same pressures from a parent or some, you know, the beliefs that we have about ourselves since we're young. And so I always had this 20 pound swing, but I could always take it off. And um, menopause, perimenopause 
kind of pushed me down a dark hole. And then menopause had me, I was just in this hormonal chaos and I suddenly gained 50 pounds and people were like, wait, you're the healthiest person we know. How, how this happened? And I'm like, I, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm trying so hard. And, um, I went home to Colorado to visit my mom. I grew up there and one night shortening the story one night, um, I Googled the same thing I always had out of desperation. I was really at that point, Yvonne, despondent. Like I was, I'm a super positive person, right? So it was so for an optimistic, positive person to feel like I had to now give in to feeling worse and worse and worse forever. Didn't your mom say something to you that triggered you to do the search online? Yeah, I'd been searching. I'd been trying for four and a half years, almost five, right? And um, I got home for an extended stay. And she said, my loving, adorable mother said in the sweetest way, let's use this time that you're home to turn the weight around. Oh, my God. I don't know how daughter ears, most daughter ears don't hear that helpfulness very well. No. <laughs> and I, I had a meltdown like I was five and I was 54. <laughs> oh my goodness. And so I, I was, I really, I did, I knew it was hormonal. It was just obvious, but I didn't know what to do about it. And so that very night I read about intermittent fasting for the first time. So remember I'd been studying nutrition all these years as a personal passion. And I knew that people could heal from extended therapeutic fasting. I did not know that a person could just live their life to in the 24 hour day and take a chunk of it as the fasting and healing hours, the hours of repair and sleeps included in that. And then eat in a eating window of your choice and heal your body and have enlivened energy insulin, blood sugar control, heart, you know, blood pressure, just all of it, my inflammation, every single thing that a person is experiencing in terms of their health, having a clean fasting schedule and having an eating window will move along the healing more quickly. So you, you were convinced enough to at least give it a try. And beyond convinced, I, I, I couldn't, I was so hungry for that information. I couldn't believe that I had been studying this for so how to take care of yourself for so long. And I didn't know this was a tool. And so pr pretty much all night I stayed up and watched videos and, you know, heard Dr. Jason Fung and I, I just, and read everything and said to my mom the next morning, I think I found something I'm going to try. And she asked what it was. And I explained it and she said, it makes perfect sense. And I said, if I get like cranky or mean, or if we both think this is a bad idea, we'll talk about it. But she said, how may I support you? I said, I'm just going to aim for noon. Now for some people, that's really long. Some people want to inch along. I'm raising so I hand. encourage I'm raising that. I respect that. This is not <laughs> the fasting Olympics. There's no, but for me that morning, I kind of felt like I'm going to aim for noon. I'm going to have lunch then I'll have dinner and I'll close my eating window with eating a delicious lunch and a delicious dinner with my mom. No deprivation, 
just waiting. As Jen Stevens wrote a wonderful book called Delay, Don't Deny. It's like, I just get the foods I love later in my eating window. Delay, don't deny. Love that. And that's how I started. Hey, we're going to take a quick break here because I want to let you know that this podcast episode is brought to you by Midlife Cues. Are you looking to live life more intentionally and grow personally as you get older? The Midlife Cues newsletter is the perfect solution for you. Every Sunday, you can open up your email to find a weekly newsletter filled with carefully researched resources and tools to help you live your best life. It's written and published by Lou Blazer, who left a successful career in corporate America and now focuses on helping midlifers be truly happy and feel fulfilled in the second half of their lives. You can subscribe today at midlifecues.com. First of all, okay, is it a diet? No, it's a timing. A diet would be your food choices. So... After all these years, so six and a half years of keeping an eating window every day, and now five years of legit having my coaching business, but really six years of coaching other people, I have am firm in my belief that a person is more successful and they are happier. (laughs) They feel better if we start with the eating window and the clean fasting first. A lot of coaches and doctors and so forth say, you got to get your food handled. You got to clean up your food and then start intermittent fasting. That, that doesn't work. I don't think that's sustainable. Food is too emotional for people. People need to, I believe, discover it evolves over time. What foods do and don't serve us. It, and so when we pull at all the stops and we change our food and we eat healthy and we clean up the food, that is, as I said, very emotional for people. It and I think very unsustainable. It does. it does. It does. It does. And I've heard stories, I mean, of, of people, you know, anecdotal stories of, uh, of people doing the fasting and really still continuing to eat complete crap and still right. losing weight. Yes. Um, I mean, I don't think that that's probably what you want to do, but I, I mean, that's like pretty interesting in and of itself. I mean, the, 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 first of all, too, this is free, right? That's right. You get to decide when you're going to close. This is how you start. You decide when you're closing your eating window today. I start at the end of the day. You think, I think I'll have my last meal at whatever time. And then you know, people will usually say, well, what's the best time? I'm like, what, when do you eat dinner? You know, some people are like, I don't even like dinner. Okay, great. Have breakfast and lunch. I don't care. So you get to decide today when you're having your last meal and give yourself some wiggle room. Don't, you don't have to make it hard on yourself. And after that, you'll have plain water, go to bed. If you're like, I don't know what to do with myself without, you know, sitting in my favorite chair, having my favorite munchies after dinner okay you might need we might need to work on having your closing your eating window ritual and mixing up a little bit about what uh what you might be doing in the evening go to sleep and wake up tomorrow add 12 hours to whatever time you closed your eating window drink plain water when you wake up maybe have a black coffee and 12 hours as you said earlier you started with 12 12 you're asleep for hopefully seven or eight of it 
you add that 12 hours. Now, a lot of people say, well, that's not fasting. That's easy. Okay. It is you consciously and deliberately closed your eating window, drank plain water, put your body into a state of repair, slept, gave it even more repair, woke up consciously delayed a little bit, um, and opened your eating window. Now you could have your, as I call it, candy coffee or creamy coffee, whatever you love, your coffee, the way you like it, when you open your eating window. So some people then are like, well, 12, 12 isn't so hard, but I have to have my candy coffee. But then they're also like, I have to have my dinner with my family. Well, which is, what's it gonna be? <laughs> what are your goals? How do you wanna feel? Where can you, what can give a little bit? And then you gradually increase those clean fasting hours and shrink the eating window and then settle in. And it takes about a month to set, to discover that pattern that works with your life and your body and your emotions. Mm -hmm. And then that second month, you know, the weeks four to eight really are settling into the sweet spot, just settling in and having it feel really good because within the first few weeks, people feel better. And then you want to be like, what's my, what is my pattern that I'm going to live with? Yeah. Should somebody expect to feel, I mean, is it, might you expect to be a little hangry or a little low energy the first couple of days or feel, um, oh, I don't know, tired or, you know, just hungry. What should people expect within the first couple of days? Is it, is it like instantly like, oh, this is fine. Or is it a process? Yes. All of the above. Okay. So first off people think fasting, that sounds hard and scary. Okay. What people discover quite immediately is truly within the first week, they're like, the fasting is not hard. It's the eating window I have a problem with. Everybody comes. So I lead group programs and I coach people one-on-one. And every single time, you know, I'm going into my sixth annual holiday program. And by the second session, every time people are like, fasting's easy. My eating window's a problem. What do you mean by that? Like, what, what about the eating window is the problem? Because people either eat too quickly or they realize that they ate too much too quickly or they didn't prepare their food or they ate food that did not agree with their body and they never realized that before. And they pop things in their mouth mindlessly and they eat throughout the whole thing. I mean, so they realize so quickly that the fasting hours feel well. Woo, isn't that delightful? What a surprise. So regarding what you said about can people feel low energy or woozy in the first month, we are training our body to remember it already knows how, but it has to remember how to tap into our body fat for energy. All of human history, our bodies have known when food was scarce, that the fat that's stored on us is fuel. That's the design of the human body. And so this idea of fasting is not a diet is yes. And it's not new. It's just, there's food and there's not food and there's food and there's not food. And our brightness, sharpness, stamina, strength, productivity, evolutionarily ramps up when we're in a fasted state. But in that first month, 
when the body's remembering, it's kind of using up the sugar in the tank. We go from being a sugar burner to being a fat burner. And that's the adjustment phase. So if a person feels woozy, okay, that could be a cry for minerals, magnesium and sodium. So step one, you're fasting along and you're aiming for 12 hours, you're aiming for noon, whatever you're aiming for. And suddenly you feel a little woozy. I, my trick for solving that is to have a magnesium, have a glass of water with a magnesium and put a little salt under your tongue. So the sodium goes straight into your bloodstream, high quality, good salt. If like a you, sea salt kind of yeah, thing, yeah, uh -huh. like Redmond real salt or pink Himalayan salt, high quality mm -hmm. salt. Yeah. So that water, really the first step is notice how many hours fasted you are. You might be like, I'm at 13 hours or I'm at 15 and a half or whatever you're at. Step one, I got a little woozy. How many hours fasted am I? Note that. Have a glass of water, have a magnesium, put salt under your tongue. Know that hunger, what we attribute, what we call hunger, I call a hunger alert. Evolutionarily, our bodies are designed to remind us to not forget to go find food. That could take six hours or six days. For us now, it takes six seconds. <laughs> okay. Right. We're surrounded so, by it. So, so when the body taps the stomach growls, or you have a thought of food, I think if it's like your, the, your body's going, Hey, 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 don't forget. Don't forget to go hunt food. <laughs> don't forget to go find food. And so then I've got to figure out, is that a hunger alert? It's just a hunger wave. It's going to come and pat, come and go. No big deal. It's a wave. Sometimes it's real hunger. Sometimes the body's like, yeah, no, I can't shake this and you should eat. This is no, again, this is not the fasting Olympics. You are, this is not a diet where you're not allowed and you're allowed and you're going to be bad if you didn't fast as long as you wanted to. If your body is saying I'm shaky and ravenous, this is not a hunger wave. I can only think of one thing and that's food. Eat. It's no big deal. <laughs> So I love, I love the, the, I love that you just said good and bad, because one of the things you talked about in Clubhouse was this whole idea that we all have around, are we being good or bad when it comes to our food, right? Yes. But I, I do want to back up real quick. And I want to talk about or ask you questions, because I've been doing some research on it. And, um, and it's like, what, I mean, I guess what I want to talk about is what is actually happening in a fasted state? Because I've been reading that you're producing, you can produce a ketone or ketones. There's a lot of hormonal things like you can bring up estrogen. I was reading uh, yeah. like GABA, which helps with calming. And, and I was also hearing about different things that happen at different amounts of time of fasting like different triggers kind of being set off as you fast longer and longer. And so I'd, I'd love to go into kind of the science about like, what is actually happening in there? Why is this beneficial? It's so incredible. Okay. So I want people to think of it like sleep. Okay. So when you say, is this a diet in our culture, a diet is a thing that we temporarily try to see if it works for us. And if we like it or don't like it, or it doesn't work for us, we abandon it and we try the next thing. I want people to think about fasting in the same way we think about sleep. It's not optional. 
our body needs this repair time. We just didn't know it. So if we approach it like sleep, like it's not optional, we, we hold in great reverence this time when our body is in repair, then we want to remind ourselves what's happening in case we just, in case we forgot or didn't know. Inflammation's lowering. Immunity is boosting. We're shifting quickly from sugar burning because the food we last ate into a fat utilization state, burning our own body fat and having a whatever normal healthy amount of fat on our body so that we can get around. Imagine our ancestors. We got to get around quickly. We got to all stay together. We got to stay alive. We got to get food. So there is mobility and a strength and a stamina that's important for human beings. And we want to tap into that body fat for, for fuel, for energy. And one of the benefits of tapping into the body fat is that the um, liver takes that fat that's been released and transfigures it into ketone bodies, which then cross the blood brain barrier and fuel our brain. Now our brain needs some sugar, but to fuel our brain only on sugar is detrimental. So they're calling Alzheimer's now, some are calling Alzheimer's type three diabetes, which is a high insulinemia and I'm really oversimplifying, okay? But I want people who are listening to be able to just understand the high level of what I'm saying. So another thing about hormones and our brain, not only fueling our brain on the ketones, is that when we are in a fasted state and the hunger hormone ghrelin growls <laughs> for food, it says, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget to go get food. And we don't feed it, it makes new brain cells. Now, I don't know why my body hasn't told me why, but I could presume that the body wants to keep us as smart as it can for as long as possible. And it's like, if food is scarce and we got to go get it, I not only want to be as physically strong as I possibly can, I want to be as mentally sharp so I can get that food. Yeah. And so, so gr and growth hormones too, growth right? Growth hormone. So, and that, those are the hormones that we've got when we're kids. And I, I think I heard something about like, when you reach 30, the production of growth hormones or, or the growth hormones, they, they stop or they, you know, they lower. Down-regulate. Yeah. yeah. They down-regulate. Is that the right word for it? Cool. Could be. Um, I don't know. That's what what I does say. a growth hormone actually do for us? What is What does that even do for us? Well, we have over 80 hormones and the way I'll describe hormones, because I don't know the job of every single one of them, but we have over 80 hormones and they are in a hierarchy, like a network of chemical communicators. And some are very important and some are uh, less important, but connected to the important ones. So there's this network and we have hunger hormones, satiety hormones. We have hormones that regulate our emergency response. We have hormones that say to the body build and the growth hormone is one of them. So when we're in a fasted state and we're moving our bodies, so we are an animal that's designed to move. And when we're moving and when we're fasting, the human growth hormone in women can go up a, a thousand percent and in men, 2000% human growth hormone production wow. when we're fasting and when we're moving. Wow. So 
I know it's very, very exciting. And our liver works better. Our kidneys work better. Our gut works better. We normalize our blood pressure. Um, the sugar in our blood gets used. One of the most important things is inflammation coming down. So I'll use one of the main as- reasons I've yes. actually embraced this is not so much for the weight loss benefits, which, you know, I was like, you know, who doesn't want that right in the belly fat. I've heard, heard a lot right. about the belly fat thing. Um, but it's the inflammation. Like I just, I'm, I hurt like all the time. You know what I mean? And I'm really I looking do. at, sh- I know sugar is a big part of that. Um, and th- I keep hearing from other people who have embraced intermittent fasting, um, other friends of mine, that it really has helped with their inflammation and the pain, you know, that goes That's along right. with that. And there's something you said too a, a moment ago about that, you know, in women, it's this amount and men, it's that amount. So I do want to ask you two things in relation to that. Is there a difference in protocol between the way men should fast and the way women should fast? Because I've heard some things around that. And are there people that shouldn't be fasting? Ooh, okay. I hope you remember all those questions because I might not. Okay. All right. All right. That um, was a lot. Yeah. Men and women. Yeah. It's more personal than it is just an easy binary divide, men and women. I know men who fast 22-2 and they have to turn around type 2 diabetes and lose 150 pounds. And I know men who fast, you know, do a 17-7 protocol and have a seven-hour eating window or 16-8 or 14-10. It depends on your fitness, your goals your sleep, your, you know, your, the medication that you're on. I mean, it's, it's a hundred percent customized for you. You know, if, if there's some guy who's 5% body fat and running marathons and competing in bodybuilding, he should have a very different protocol, like 12, 12. That totally makes sense. Right. Yeah. I've heard some, I mean, there was some backlash on it with around hair loss and women who are still menstruating, still having their periods. And let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Okay. So then that's men, you know, whatever, whatever their goals and feels good and their work and their fitness. Okay. Women, we are either in our fertility years, pre-menopausal, we are either in the zone called perimenopause, which are the transition years, perimenopause, or we are postmenopausal in menopause. And all of those times are very different for a woman before you're 40, between, you know, 39 and 55. And but I went into menopause at 49. So again, my answer is the same. It's your goals, your health and weight goals. You have, do you have fatty liver? Do you have type two diabetes? Do you have high blood pressure? Do you have PCOS? Do you, I mean, are, are you 150 pounds overweight or 15? You know, I'm have it, the, the first adjustment I would say that a woman should make is noticing if you're still in your cycle and getting a period Notice the few days before your period that you might be hungrier and have a longer eating window and eat more food. And then typically, as every woman out there knows, 
we, if we're ravenous before our period comes, we tend to not eat you know, baked potatoes and salad and broccoli and salmon. <laughs> we tend to eat things that I would call not food. Candy so, chips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. and yeah. All those things. So that's not doing us any favors. <laughs> exactly. Now, some fasting gurus would say those days before your period comes to not fast. I really want people to consider that that idea of doing it, not doing it, doing it, not doing it falls inside diet mindset, diet culture. I want you to think of it like sleep. How long are you fasting today? How, when is my eating window going to be today? How you tune in to your so it's body. adjustable. A hundred percent adjustable. I, my coaching is gentle, forgiving, thoughtful, intuitive. When people are like, what should I, you know, whatever the question is, I'm like, I, I don't know. Let's tune in and ask your body and take a look and see what happened the last time you did that and see where, you know, where you stumbled and felt awful and let's make adjustments there. It's um, the number one thing is tune in, tune inward. Don't, we, we're so trained to ask the guru, the book, the expert, the doctor, what should I be doing? Your body knows. That was so a once, question I have. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Is, is, should we be getting our doctors involved on, you know, in, in, in this and are they conversant enough in the benefits and, and what goes on with intermittent fasting? Are they conversant? Do, do doctors in general have a good understanding of intermittent fasting and the benefits and the, and what to watch out for and different things like that? At this point, okay, so there was an article in the New England Journal of Medicine in December 2019 that was a compilation, Dr. Mark Matson from Johns Hopkins pulled all this research together, and it did a very good job of educating and forming physicians to recommend intermittent fasting. However, I think now what I hear the most is that physicians will say, that they heard that it's good for some people, but not everyone should do it, which gets to one of your other questions. Um, who should not be intermittent fasting? Women who are pregnant, women who are breastfeeding, children and teenagers, <laughs> okay? So don't put a child or a teen on a fasting protocol. We need to teach children and teens to eat when they're hungry. So tip number one around children and teens, we need to stop saying, do you want a snack? And say, are you hungry? <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's like, what a paradigm shift. So when people are like, I don't know if I should intermittent fast around my teenagers. Okay, you are training yourself to eat when you're hungry and you're not growing anymore. And so you're learning to eat in an eating window so your body can heal when you're fasting and so that you're really tuned into hunger and satiety and eating delicious, healthful foods that make your body feel really well in your eating window. Okay, so pregnant women, teens and children, breastfeeding um, women. Now, people who are diabetics? type one, yeah, diet type one diabetics who are insulin dependent mm -hmm. can work with their physician to regulate their insulin. All the type one diabetics who I know who are intermittent fasters have 
dramatically reduce their insulin. So a diabetic um, can do this. Okay. That was and type question. two diabetes. You can yeah. completely reverse it. So if your A1C is 12 something or nine something or eight something or seven something, you, every person I've worked with, with type two diabetes has turned around their A1C and in, you know, three to six months. And what you want to do to answer your question about should you work with your doctor? Yes. If you are on medication, blood pressure medication, thyroid medication, metformin, any, any of those, you would want to say to your doctor, I'm starting an intermittent fasting schedule. I'm going to start eating in an eating window, starting with 12, 12. I'm going to gradually increase my fasting hours and gradually reduce my eating window and discover what feels well for me and discover what works with my life and my family and what works with my health goals. And yeah, and hopefully they'll say, oh, that's great. Now, when they say it's not for everyone, I think that they aren't realizing how much every human body is needing to reduce inflammation and boost immunity and heal during these fasting hours. So I did say to a doctor once I met her, I, I spoke at a health women's health conference in Washington, DC, and she said that she's like, it's not for everyone. And I said, okay, let's look at this. If you had a patient who had whatever ailments they have, what if they finished their dinner at let's say seven, and then after dinner, they drank water. And then they went to bed and they woke up in the morning and they drank water and they then had their coffee or breakfast at 7 a.m. Would that be okay? And they're like, of course. I'm like, okay, they just fasted 12 hours. Dr. Sachin Panda at the Salk Institute in La Jolla, he's a circadian rhythm expert, has proven that a 12-12 schedule can increase longevity. You will live longer. Do that. <laughs> And then if you have other health goals like fatty liver or high blood pressure or whatever, you know, autoimmune, whatever you have. But so I wanted to share about a client who had asthma had, hmm. she was 67 years old. She could not walk a block without stopping and huffing and puffing. And within two weeks, of keeping a 16, eight schedule, she walked 10 blocks and realized she didn't have to stop to catch her breath. So what happened? How does that work? Inflammation, Inflammation. down and she could breathe. Wow. I had plantar fasciitis for 10 years. It's so painful. And every morning I woke up and my little poor little feet would hit the floor and I'd be like, ow, 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 ow. Yeah. And within somewhere between three and four months. I don't know. I started in early June and at some point in September, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have that anymore. Huh. It's never returned. I do have a client that decided once she reached all her health and weight goals that she was going to stop fasting clean and having, you know, flavored drinks and, and so forth. And her fa plantar fasciitis came right back. And she's Ooh. like, uh-oh. Can you talk about fasting clean? Like what, what yes. is that? Okay, so Jen Stevens in her huge Facebook group realized in the group that there was a lot of debate 
regarding what can you have while you're fasting? What's allowed? Okay, so this is right out oh of my diet gosh, culture. it's the first thing. What What's did I ask allowed? you first? What about right? my coffee? Because I get headaches if I don't have coffee. And I was like, what right. about my coffee? And you're like, you can have black coffee. I'm like, I don't like black coffee. Okay, I know. I don't want to make fun of people because it's really, but I'm it, making fun of myself. Really, I'm just making fun and, of myself. Exactly. It's a voice in my head when I don't want to do something. It's not fair. Okay. So this, this diet culture, diet mindset is so punitive and in this domain of good and bad, but let's just look at the facts that when we are fasting, taking in plain unflavored water, plain unflavored black coffee, plain unflavored bitter black or green tea, plain unflavored minerals. So I said magnesium, sodium, and your prescriptions, your medication as prescribed by your doctor. Again, plain and flavored water, plain and flavored black coffee, plain and flavored bitter black vitamins. Green tea. Like if I take something, food. a supplement at night is a, is a supplement, that's food. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Look at the ingredients. It says vitamin B, vitamin C. Those are the parts of, those are the micronutrients and sometimes the macronutrients. Some of those vitamins are like, um, vitamin D is fat soluble. You need to have it with food. It's you, oftentimes like in oil, like fish oil, it's all food. The only supplements that are not food are those minerals, magnesium, sodium. They're so my mineral. magnesium calcium combo thing is not okay to do. It depends on what else is in it. Calcium is also a mineral. Okay. Okay. So let's, I want to keep it super simple. There's two parts to every day the fasting hours and the eating window, uh -huh. save everything that is food flavored or has any nutrients, so anything you have to chew or drink with food flavors, save it for the eating window. Why, why that's like so unfair. I need the lemon in my water to, I need it to make it. No, okay, two reasons. Fasting clean actually is easier. Why would that be? Because any food flavor, any sweetness, any nutrient at all sends signals to the body that food is incoming. It's like, woohoo, you're going to feed me. And it aligns the digestive tract hormonally. It aligns to receive food, except you think you're fasting. So it gets grumpy. It's like, where's the food? You, you gave me the promise of food. Where is it? Okay. So when we eat, we want to be fully satisfied. So when you take in any nutrients, food flavors or sweetness, you want to then eat to satiety. That's why we wait to open the eating window and then eat very well, not little bits of diet food, eat a meal, <laughs> okay? So again, there's two parts to every day, fasting clean. The other reason for fasting clean, not only is it easier, we want all the health benefits of the clean fast. We want to lower inflammation. We want to boost our immunity. We want to make new brain cells. We want to balance our estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, cortisol. And we want it all working in harmony. And we really want to lower circulating insulin. Most people are insulin resistant. And Dr. Ben Bickman wrote a great book called, an important book called Why We Get Sick. And he's a fat expert and an insulin expert. And he proves that the underlying cause of all metabolic diseases is high circulating insulin and high inflammation. 
And you so know, this is the funny thing. So I, there's a misconception that I was living with, and um, and I'm I, and I get it. It was that idea of um, if my blood sugar dropped, it was because I hadn't eaten, and that I mm-hmm. needed to eat something. And so I'm I've always been a grazer, you know, and I've had the high, the ups and the downs, and the highs and the lows of blood sugar and the hangry and all the things. But I think part of my problem was that I was eating a lot of high sugar. Um, food and that was causing the like the spikes in the in the death that's right right and so when they that that whole recommendation of the like the food the food pyramid and five you know five you know three meals a day with snacks and all that I was like fully bought in to that system you know yes and then, you know, you and I have talked about this, my cereal habit at night, which I gave up out, you know, have it is. But oh, yeah, it's gone. Whoa! Oh, it's gone. It's you, gone. That was so important to you. Uh, I know. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. You know, this feeling of hangry, this reliance upon, you know, blood, the blood sugar. Our body is so smart and it's, it's always right? going to ask for the easy sugar. It's always going to ask for the quick. It's going to ask for food. And then when you're like, I'm fasting, delay, don't deny. I get to eat later in my eating window. It's like, okay, I know there's fat here. We're going to shift, flip the metabolic switch, shift into fat burning, become fat adapted. And you're going to do that every day. And that, in that moment, when you shift into fat burning, your energy is bright and clear and focused with good stamina. And so I believe that we are not a grazing animal. We are an animal. Imagine, okay, just think Yvonne, think of your like favorite fantasy meal that not only is it delicious, but you get to eat it later. You're you're excited to have that later. Like you can't wait for dinner tonight. Oh, it's going to be so good. And so it's that food you love that loves you back. You're left satisfied. It just feels like, oh, that agreed with my body. My body loves that. I just did my body a huge favor. It's so happy. I'm so satisfied. We never feel like that when we're constantly grazing. It's so dissatisfying. We are never satisfied when we're just popping things in our mouth, throw a energy bar in our bag and eat it while we're driving and eat at the computer and eat while we're doing something else. That is not satisfying for us. And we're not getting the nutrition that we need. And when we're, here's another phenomenon about daily clean fasting. Um, Dr. Bert Herring wrote a book called The Fast Five. And then he wrote another awesome book called AC, The Power of Appetite Correction. We have an apostat, an appetite center in our brain that regulates many hormones, but we'll just keep it simple, the satiety and the hunger hormones. And when you are consistently fasting clean every day and keeping an eating window, appetite correction kicks in. Appetite correction has two parts. Our body, we're like a wild animal. Our body can tell us how much to eat and when to stop. And it can also tell us what to eat and what it would prefer that we not eat. So this is, again, this falls in line with my theory that I've observed for all these years, that if you start fasting clean first and keeping an eating window, keep an eating window and eat the foods you like, 
over time, your body will start telling you how much to eat today and what it would like for you to have and what would it prefer that you not have. And those foods right now that have their claws in you that you can't imagine, like not loving, you know, that if you keep it in your house, it will disappear in five seconds. People find that they're like, oh my gosh, I've had that pint of ice cream in my freezer for a month. I totally forgot about it. It's not calling your name anymore because your body is not interested. That's the, that's the language around it that I hear most often is that people are like, I just lost interest. So this idea of fasting clean, keep an eating window that feels good to you. Notice how much your body is asking for today in terms of food quantity. Is it super hungry today? Satisfy that. Are you, are you just wanting a little bit of food today? Stop when your body says stop. And then notice what foods it's asking for. It's kind of a joke in the intermittent fasting community that all of a sudden people want Brussels sprouts. They're like, I don't know what's happening. I just want Brussels sprouts. And so foods that you might've never liked before your body might start asking for and foods that you think you can't imagine life without, your body loses interest. And that's called appetite correction. It's a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> So I did, you mentioned something earlier and I was like, I meant to, I had a mental note to come back to it. And I want to make sure I ask it this purely, purely uh, for me, uh, is seltzer okay when you're fasting? Like, can you have bubbly water? water? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So plain oh, flavored water of, I say any sparkliness and any temperature. So but maybe not lemon flavored seltzer. I need to definitely like, not. get some plain. Get some plain. Yes. Now, here's the thing about bubbly water. If people have gut issues, too much or any bubbly water can help can contribute to gassiness. It's bubbly. It's it's going through you. Right. Okay? So, um, I use and really used in my first two years of intermittent fasting one delicious cold glass of sparkly water in a beautiful glass as my early afternoon treat for myself when I was fasting. Like I, I was excited to have that. So human beings are happier when we delay gratification. There have been so many scientific studies on this. When we establish a spirit of patience and determination, and waiting, we're happier people. And so in our culture where the minute we're sad or lonely or deserve a treat or feel deprived or any possible emotion, we satisfy that with food. Our ancestors didn't have that. There's no emotional eating a hundred years ago, <laughs> okay? And so we need to slow down and appreciate our food and eat a meal and love it and notice how you feel and wait and have another meal and close your eating window and drink plain water and sleep well and wake up tomorrow and know how much healing repair is happening during those fasting hours and that it's worth waiting for your I next delicious meal. Are there things that happen? I've did a little bit of research on it and I heard some things and I was like, hmm, interesting. So if, are there different 
eating windows or fasting hours that kick in different reactions in the body while you're fasting? Like, does the healing change if you, if, you know, if, okay, so I'm doing 12 hours. If I were to kick it to, I don't know, 16 hours, is that going to make a difference? If I were to kick it? Yeah. What, what is the difference? Like why? Okay. So this is hard for people to hear, but longer isn't better. It's just different. So if someone has decided that emotionally and with the structure of their day and maybe their medication and the, you just whatever, that 12-12 feels better for you or 14-10, you should stay there. You shouldn't be, oh no, you know, Lori fasts longer and Yvonne wants to fast longer, so I have to. No, 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 this is more diet culture comparison. This is an individual learning to take really good care of yourself no matter what's happening in life. So stay where you are if that feels good. And know that once you get through the adjustment phase of the first month of clean fasting and your body has used up the glycogen, which is stored sugar in your body, it's used it up. You will then become fat adapted. It's approximately a month. It's not like I hit 30 days, you know, it's like approximately depending on what you're eating and how long you're fasting, but approximately a month, you could count on flipping that metabolic switch and moving into fat burning. After the first month, approximately that happens at about 12 to 13 hours fasted is that your body has used up the sugar in your body and will shift into fat burning, not on day one, in the second month, okay? So once you switch into fat burning at around 12 or 13 hours, the body ramps up the fat burning again, like around 16 hours, maybe 15, 15 hours, 16, I don't know, around there approximately. So this is when you could expect a hunger wave around 12 or 13 hours, around 16 hours. This is why I said, if you feel a hunger wave, strong hunger, first thing is how many hours fasted am I? Ah, it's probably 12 or 13. Oh, it's probably just 16. Then 18, 18 is where the magic happens. Now, do I think fasting to 18, 19 hours is better? No, it's different. So it happens around 18 hours is fat burning ramps up, go into ketosis, It's not exact, it's around, okay? The other thing that happens is it's not happening in tandem, it's not intersected, it's parallel. In tandem with the fat burning and ketosis ramping up, the idea of autophagy. That was a big word I wanted to ask you about, yes. Uh Autophagy, autophagy, tomato, tomato. Okay, that is a deep cellular cleanup upcycling, recycling of old junky proteins. And so imagine you've got your old car, you haven't cleaned it in a while and there's crumbs and all, you know, it's terrible, it's filthy mess. I I don't have to imagine this. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And you take it in, you spend the extra money for the detailer, like the person who's like really gonna tear that thing apart and you get it back three hours later and it's sparkling new, like it just came off the sales lot. You can't believe it. That's what happens with our cells when autophagy ramps up. What is autophagy? It's always happening. People say it stops and starts. It does not. It's always happening. It's just up-regulating and down-regulating. So 
when we're in a fasted state, it up regulates dramatically. And that tends to happen around 18 hours when we're really cranking up the fat burning and our body goes in to our own cells, damaged cells and takes them apart. Like when they, when the person tore apart your car to clean it and upcycles, recycles, reuses old junky protein and all the broken parts and puts the cell back together. Like it's literally good as new and so beautifully put back together that scientists can't tell the difference between a new cell and a cell that got recycled through autophagy. That is much more efficient for the body to clean up the cells that are already on it than making new cells. And so what intermittent fasters experience when they're fasting clean, and this is important because any introduction of nutrients down regulates autophagy. So when people are like, oh, putting fat in their coffee and drinking bone broth and- Can I ask you about like like, MCT oil or heavy heavy cream in the coffee I've heard is a hack, but you're saying no. No, it's not a hack. It's not fasting. It's a nutrient, it's food. It's not a, okay. So, so this is again, linked to diet culture and diet mindset. You'll hear people say, well, I'm fasting for weight loss, not autophagy. What you're, you are shifting your daily habits so that you could be super healthy and you're not going to get all the healing benefits. So here's what I have to say about fat in your coffee or cream in the coffee. Wouldn't one of the reasons people say is, oh, it gives me such a nice sustained energy until I eat my lunch later. Remember I told you that once you're fat adapted, your body's shifting into fat burning around 12 or 13 hours. Which fat would you rather burn? The fat on your belly or the fat in your coffee cup? Either way, it's using fat for energy. Choose the fat on your body. That's what it's there for. Okay. Yeah. I mean, why would you do this? I want to do this for the, for the health benefits. I want to do it for lowering the inflammation for, you know, for just feeling better, frankly. I, um, understand why people would say, I don't care about my health. I just want to lose the weight. I've had, you know, I've had people say, stop talking to me about feeling good. I just want to fit in my jeans. Okay. Maybe I'm not the coach for you. Because this is all about feeling good. Every single thing that I'm directing a person towards in terms of, should I do this? Should I do that? How long should I fast? How short should my eating window be? What should I choose to eat? How long should I sleep? How much water should I drink? You know, should I exercise in a fasted state? All of it is around how well do you want to feel? And that's, so anywhere there's any struggle, stress, or strain, anywhere that anything is hard, I want to hear about it because I'm going to make it better. <laughs> We're going to make it better. <laughs> Did people and exercise so, when they're in a fasted state? You just absolutely. brought up a question I hadn't thought to ask. Okay, cool. Absolutely. You're burning your own body fat for energy and you're cranking up the human growth hormone. It so would be another, like going out and hunting down a hunting down the, the dinner, right? That's right. Yeah. There's a guy in Utah who ran a hundred miles fasted and, um, just to prove it wasn't a fluke. He did it again, hundred miles at high altitude, fasted twice. So our body has plenty. Our body is holding sugar, 
protein, remember in the cells during the autophagy, it goes in and digs out the old junky protein. Our body is holding sugar, protein, and fat, the three macronutrients we're carrying on board. Later. Can I ask you what I think I, I know, oh my goodness, we've been on for a while. I want to respect your time and, and our listeners' time as well. Uh, but I want to ask you about protein because it is something mm-hmm. that's coming a lot coming up a lot in the research I'm yes. doing around aging for women in menopause for, you know, everything. Everybody's like high protein, high protein, high protein. How do we make sure that we're not depleting our proteins when we're doing the intermittent fasting? Is that even a concern? Okay. So it's such a perfect question. People want to know, I'm supposed to get a certain amount of calories or macronutrients each day. And how am I going to get that into a consolidated eating window? First off, remember those recommendations, which they are recommendations, aren't uh, considering that you are using the fuel you have on board while you're in a fasted state. So trust that appetite correction is going to start kicking in and your own body is going to tell you how much to eat today. It varies every day. It will tell you, you know how you know? It says, stop eating. It goes, I'm full. I've had enough. Put your fork down. And it loses interest in the foods that it would prefer you not have because it's it's not fueling you well. And so I want you to remember, you're using your own sugar, protein, and fat on board. And then in your eating window, your body's telling you how much to eat today and what to eat. We're like a wild animal. We don't need a chart. So it's we don't trusting need to weigh it. The, the wisdom of your body and learning to listen and pay it's attention. A- Is it like... Do you, is it a good idea to keep a journal of how you're feeling and what you've eaten? I mean, this is where I'm like, oh my gosh, I won't do that. I won't do that. I, I oh no. What? Okay. I'm sad for people who sit down to eat a meal and do math in their head. Uh-huh. Sit down. See, when you are a daily clean faster, everything gets quieter. I say, this is not a diet. It's a quiet you and your body. It's like, that's funny. Me and my body. Yeah. There's you, your consciousness, the you that's you. And then there's this thing that you get to go through this life in. And wouldn't it be amazing if through clean fasting, and then of course, sleeping well, and you know, that we could tune in so intimately to what it's telling us it needs and what it's telling us it does not need anymore. And that is very real. All right. This is going to be a journey. It's going to be a journey. Lori, I'm going to ask you now before you go, um, if I get a a lot of feedback and questions on this episode, will you come back to answer questions? There's nothing I love more. Okay. Truly. Every minute of every day I get to inspire and inform and I want people to feel better. And I love, love listening to people's experience. I especially love the people who say, I tried that. It didn't work for me. Oh, what were you doing? And what medication are you on? And like, what, like, were you fasting clean? And I, I have so many questions for people who said it didn't work for them. Because here's what I think what I want to leave you with. It always works. 
it always works like sleep. That wouldn't that be weird to say sleep didn't work for me. So I'm not doing it anymore. The healing that happens in our bodies when we're fasting always works. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I'm just going to put a shout out to anybody listening right now. Thank you for being here first of all. And secondly, there is a little spot on um, the, on my podcast page of the website, latebloomerliving.com forward slash podcast. There's, you can leave me a little voicemail there and say, Hey, what about this part? This is what happened for me. I'm wondering about this. Leave me your questions or send me an email to latebloomerliving at gmail.com. Ask me questions there. Of course, get in touch with Lori directly. Lori, what's the best way for people to find you? And go straight to the I source. love it when people write me. So my website is Fast Forward Wellness. And if you're like, wait, how do I start again? There's a little checklist so you can get that. And then you'll get a few emails from me and start or, you know, write me. So there's a contact form on my website and I'm on Instagram, fast underscore forward underscore wellness. And you can DM me. And I love hearing how people are doing. I really love hearing what resonated for you. Like what really hit you as, hmm, I'm going to carry that with me. That was helpful. I love knowing that. And I love knowing how you're doing. Fantastic. And do you have a, like you said something about a holiday program or something. Oh my That's gosh, annual? I'm so is, excited. Yes, is that coming six, up? It is. So the kickoff is October 24th. I don't know when this will be published, but session one is November 14th. And for six years now, I create a new program every year because a lot of people take it every year. So I want it to feel fresh and I've learned a lot over the last year. So I bring everything I've learned and experienced to the new program. And we, we go through the holidays feeling like it's not a free for all. You get to take care, very good care of yourself, no matter what's happening in life and eat the festive foods and drinks that you love and never have to diet again in January. Gotcha. Never have well, to diet okay, again. Okay. So <laughs> I was, while you were talking, I was like, when is this coming out? Okay. So, so this is going to be coming out October 25th. So today, if you're listening on the day, this podcast has dropped, it is October 25th. We've just missed the kickoff. What happens, Lori? What I are they lost? So the- no, because I was, I've had so much response to this that I think I might have a second kickoff. I haven't scheduled it, but I'll change it in my, so I'll have the official kickoff, which will kind of be like, I have a foundation program, which is a four session foundation program. So the kickoff of the holiday program will kind of be a consolidated foundation program in okay. one call. And then I think I'll schedule another kickoff before November 14th. I haven't scheduled that yet. But November 14th is the official session one. And I record the session. So, you know, I really want people there on Tuesday nights. I want people to put this in your calendar. Like you are so stoked that you get to spend almost every Tuesday night with me, November, December, January, this ends January 30th. And you'll have a different life. In, How different in might you 14 feel weeks. at the end of the holiday season if you've Ooh. done this instead of like falling into the whole... Um... <laughs> the holiday madness of of all the things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Lori, thank you again so much for being with us again, for answering all my many, many questions. And oh, so many of them were for my own personal gain. And I, I appreciate you uh informing me and and helping me along this journey. It's it's been it's been interesting. You've you've been the inspiration for me the whole time. Like, you know, <sighs> from that first conversation where I was like, what is intermittent fasting? And then 
you know, having you back in clubhouse and having those conversations that went a little deeper and then going, oh, wow, inflammation. I Maybe maybe that is my driving reason to do this. Maybe that's it. It is, Yvonne. The fact that you said you have aches and pains. I have none now. Before I started intermittent fasting, every square inch of me was in pain. Wow. My elbows, my shoulders, my hips, my feet, like everything hurt. Nothing hurts. I can sit in a car for 14 hours and, and jump out and pump gas and jump back in and keep driving. And my hands don't hurt. My butt doesn't hurt. My back doesn't hurt. No part of me hurts ever. That's amazing. It is. Let's do this. Thank you. I'm I'm here for you. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Lori. Thanks, Yvonne. Well, there you have it. If you want more information about Lori Lewis and her sixth annual holiday program through Fast Forward Wellness, it's not too late to join that. Session one starts on November 14th, and I know Lori will definitely take care of you. Um, This is not an affiliate thing or anything like that, by the way. I just know and trust Lori very much. Anyway, you can find a link to her website in the show notes. Just go to latebloomerliving.com and look for episode 157. Thanks so much for listening. I hope this was informative and I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.